Welcome to the Depth and Light Podcast. I'm J.D. Pirtle. As humanity takes measures to slow the spread and effects of the coronavirus disease 2019, or COVID-19, businesses, schools, and many public gathering places are shutting down or being restricted. This is very worrisome for all of us, and as of now, there are many unknowns. Educators of all types are facing the many challenges of a school system which has seemingly overnight been converted to distance learning only. In this ongoing series, we will be talking to educators each week about the difficulties, surprises, and discoveries they are meeting as they continue to teach during this unprecedented world event. Okay, Sandy and John, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe to get started, could you guys just kind of introduce yourself and say where you're located and maybe even uh, what you normally teach during normal times? Um, my name is John Baglio. I teach at a private school in New York City. I teach engineering and computer science to middle schoolers. And I'm kind of the maker guy. I run an after-school club and a lunch club. Um, and yeah. That's what I do most of the time in my normal teaching life. Hi, I'm Sandy. I'm in Bergamo, Italy, and I'm uh, usually what I do is I teach computer science, design, um, anything to do with ICT, um, lunch times, after school, lesson times, and I try and promote this to girls more. Great. So I guess starting with you, Sandy, I mean, um, you're in Italy. Can you just describe to you, to us kind of what's, what's happening there, what your experience is like just kind of personally before we talk too much about, you know, your role as a teacher? Yeah. I mean, you know, mentally, um, I am ready. I'm training the teachers, training the students, getting them to use ICT. But I think, uh, Okay, that's what I usually do, but mentally, I think the well-being of these of us, it, it's, um, I don't think anyone looks at us. We just have to carry on as a teacher. Um, it's morbid out there. It's, it is like an apocalypse. Um, and that scene with Will Smith with the, in the legend, the dog. Mm-hmm. You can see those scenes in those empty streets. It's horrible, really is horrible. So Sandy, with you, I mean, obviously your personal safety and the safety of the citizens around you is is paramount right now. I mean, is there, are people continuing to teach? Are you continuing to teach or is that just not a priority during all of this? No, no, no. We were very fortunate because our students all have um, uh, gadgets, computers or iPads that they can log into. Um, in Italy, these couple of the big uh, network providers have provided extra data to everyone, so you know we can all connect. Um, we carry on with a normal schedule. What some of the lessons are reduced, but we carry on with a normal schedule. We still do formative assessments, and if possible, we try and do summative. We're trying to finish the year where the kids have still learned something. 
Excellent. So John, kind of turning to your situation. Um, so you were in the New York area and you're now, you've now kind of relocated, uh, for the duration of this elsewhere. Um, what are things like for you? So we're still on spring break. So we're one week into a two week spring break. Our school got called off, um, one day into the last week before break. And then that Tuesday, the kids were gone and then uh, the teachers were brought in for a full day of training, but it just, the training didn't go very far because I think no one was really prepared to teach online. Um, and so for that last week, right before break, they are in what they're calling phase one, which is sort of you send out assignments and the kids send things back to you. So I gave them an assignment to make a homemade contraption of some kind and send back a video of it via um, Flipgrid, which actually worked very well. And then everyone on break uh, is on break now for two weeks and then we'll be coming back and classes begin again on the 30th. Um, I'm not really sure what classes are going to look like. I feel like I'm coming into this conversation with you with a lot more questions than answers um, as to what the lesson should look like and kind of agree with Sandy that the kids really need to check in and, and sort of it's a lot about their mental health. I think they want to see each other, even if it's on a screen. Um, but I'm not sure how much content delivery is the right amount. So do you feel like um, kind of having this spring break at the front end, you guys will have a little more time to prepare to shift to kind of this continuous distance learning that we're all being tasked to participate in? Yes, that the timing was actually very fortunate, I think, um, trying to figure out what's next, literally. And so for Sandy, uh, for you, were you guys already kind of, did you have the infrastructure set up and were able to deploy it? Or has this been very ad hoc um, yeah. to respond to this yeah we we had uh we were already on a break we came back and then they said oh school's closed and then then we all like oh my god what do we do and I think just like John's situation we've got a lot of teachers who are not tech minded they just don't mm -hmm. want to know technology and all of a sudden getting them geared up and getting mm -hmm. them prepared it's it's taken a lot and and I think the first week we did the full schedule so you can imagine we're sitting here from 8 30 to four o'clock with possibly an hour and a half break between the whole day us and the students mm -hmm. it was just way too much wow so do you guys, I mean, I, I, you know, John, you kind of alluded to this, but do you feel like kind of the socio-emotional learning that children, you know, ideally are doing in school? Um, I mean, obviously there's academic concerns. You know, we want to make sure that kids are learning what was set out for them in, in their grade level. Um, but then there's the whole socio-emotional piece. John, you alluded to this, just like, you know, kids just wanting to see each other on the screen. Um, I mean, is that something... Do we feel like we're shifting as educators from focusing on, okay, we have to have all of these standards um, completed by the end of the year to let's, you know, do something kind of summative. Let's do some spiraling, spiraling around to former concepts that they've learned this year and reinforce those. Or is it all of the above plus just giving the kids a chance to be social with each other while we socially distance? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, I think in the perfect world, the way people are describing it is that they want uh, they want to feel, I think parents want to feel like the 
the ball is still rolling, that the kids are learning, that they're occupied. Um, I think that's sort of a imperative for them. But I think that the kids perspective is that they, I know my kids, they really want to connect with other kids. Uh, my son is doing online classes. So he checks in every day at nine 30 with his advisor and things online. Um, and that does lend a little structure to the day, but I think the academic stuff that he's doing is sort of minimal. And then I think from the teacher's perspective, I mean, I'll speak for myself that I think the kids, the kids are probably in a better situation to go and figure out some sort of meaningful project and do something hands-on. That's also, I don't know about you, Sandy, but like I work in a makerspace and I have kids are building stuff. And, you know, if they're doing physical computing, they're back and forth between the computer and cardboard or wood or plastic or whatever they're working with. And it's, mm -hmm. I kind of want to send them back into their homes to do some like problem finding and then some problem solving and then also sure. doing a lot of checking in with them and just have a conversation i think the amount of content is just it's i think it's just going to have to be less mm -hmm. sandy what about you no i agree with john um i i mean looking hindsight i mean when i planned all my lessons they were all going to be coding or i don't know vr apps or something but now it's like um, I want them to make something physical. I need them to get away from their gadgets uh, mm. because if they're not in front of the gadgets learning, they're probably playing games or they're watching TV or it's always a screen. Um, but then the other issue we have is we didn't have time to provide any resources mm. or the parents don't, they can't go and buy these resources because in our shops, in our supermarkets, although we can go in, we only can buy food. We can't mm. buy anything else. Mm. So, and what I've liked in, in the schools in America, and I've seen a lot of this, is teachers have prepared packs for students to take away home with them, you know, just like glue and scissors and paper and which I thought was really good. Yeah, I mean, I think we're seeing a lot of STEM activities that involve learning how to make scrambled eggs. Or, I mean, when I in a previous conversation, um, going around the house and figuring out all the little fix-it things that you've neglected because, you know, before this time you were able to go outside and go to restaurants and have fun and go to sporting events. So now we're kind of turning to those STEM activities that really are just all around our house. I mean, I guess a lot of it is kind of formerly called woodshop or formerly called home economics um, class here in the United States. Um, so those all have great STEM kind of um, applications, but also just kind of can bring whoever the group is who are together um, together to do that, those activities and complete those tasks. Yeah, I know I've been looking into my recycling bin a lot lately and trying to figure out like what, how can I repurpose some of this stuff and I mean, we do a lot of cardboard in our house, which is probably a good thing to, or not my house, in uh, our classroom and also in my house, but to point kids into the directions where they already have a bunch of resources at home. And, and you can't really make a lot of assumptions. You really have to go for the lowest common denominator. I mean, that's why, if anything, I'm looking online the apps all have to be free. They all have to be browser-based because I can't mm. assume that the kids have anything more than a Chromebook at home. And 
I mean, I, I wish we had enough time to make packets for the kids, um, but it all happened so quickly. I would love to have sent a kid home with a micro bit and, it, you know, go from there and at least you could do some physical computing stuff and like build it out into other stuff. But mm-hmm. I, maybe as things go on, maybe my school will allow me to say like, Hey parents, you know, order this micro bit go kit for 15 bucks and that will really be able to extend a kid's learning at home. But I don't know. It's sort of a lot of, a lot of question marks. Yeah. So Sandy, kind of, um, you know, from a teacher's perspective, you are in the middle of this and actively teaching and, you know, um, teachers like John, um, have a little time to prepare, obviously not to do physical things and send physical things home with the kids, but what, um, kind of digital online strategies are working for you right now that you, you know, would recommend to others who are probably, if not now are very soon going to be doing continuous distance learning. I think with a lot of uh, platform providers or, and apps, providers have given us free resources. It's opened mm. up uh, many windows for us to learn. Um, I saw something the other day. Who was it? Um, Khan Academy. And um, I think it was something to do with coding, and it was fun. And there was another one called Mouse where it was turning a 2D image into a 3D image um, with Tinkercad. I think that's really good. The other thing I was thinking was, uh, and it depends on the age group, is, you know, just get some junk and create something. Mm -hmm. Before, I think, in design, the students could create their own clients and because now they're limited to mum, dad, brother, sister, dog, I said, I will be the client. Now you all have to make me something. So I think the assessments are a little bit different. Um, and just thinking about, I think, what household materials they could do. Oh, origami. Oh, yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think origami is kind of seeing a resurgence in Legos. I mean, there's so many 30-day Lego challenges that are online. And I mean, I think Lego are a great part of any, um, you know, STEM environment or, you know, just a great tool for kids where it's not, you know, telling them how to do things. It really leaves it just open-ended for them. Um, so, Sandy, I mean, I feel a lot of people are saying that you guys, you know, in the United States, at least, will kind of be where you guys are in a few weeks um, you know, um, and feel free to answer this from a personal or like a pedagogical point of view, but, you know, are there things that, that you would say to the rest of the world that, um, kind of you wish you had known a few weeks ago or, or things that you think are really working or you wish you, sh- or you wish as a community had been happening, um, that you, you know, you care to talk about? Yeah. I mean, we are what finishing our fourth week now and I've heard it could be another six weeks or maybe that's it, the end of the year. I think looking back, whatever unit I planned, I continued it. I would just stop and be open-minded. Now also be prepared. You're not working from a nine-to-five job anymore. You could get emails at eight o'clock at night. You could uh, probably get parents now contacting you. Um, Even at the weekends, be ready. Um, I think the first week, we were all like, yay, no school. But now everyone, the students, the teachers, we're like, we miss each other. I, mm. it, and it is. It's, uh, and I think we just have to be positive. Uh, 
finding something fun to do and not sticking to, I think, every guideline that the exam board send. Mm-hmm. And so how many, just to clarify, how many weeks have you guys been teaching from home in Italy? Yeah, so this is our fourth week. Okay, so fourth week. Okay. So, um, st- I mean, after four weeks, just kind of personally, what strategies like self-care are you using that that kind of are helping you get through like, you know, what we call a lot of times cabin fever or being stir crazy? Yeah, definitely. Um, what- I've been getting cabin fever. So I, I, I'm, uh, I'm doing a, a workout with NTC app. Find mm-hmm. a workout program and just get your mind out of it Um you won't meet your neighbors, you won't meet anyone, everyone's going to, someone will, and you can't take it offensively, say, oh, no, 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 stay away from me, you know, mm-hmm. we've got to have this distance, um, no one will knock on your door, uh, and if they do, they shouldn't be, uh, you have to accept that this is going to be the normality for a little while. Um I have a teenager, and sometimes mm-hmm. I just have to bite my tongue just let him do what he wants because he's probably just going through the same cabin fever as me and Mm -hmm. can't be any friends um and then uh, what we can do is go for a walk and and as it's nice here the weather's good I do try and go for a walk just within the complex not somewhere far because uh I'd get fined for that okay so they're actively finding people in (laughs) Italy for going outside of like kind of their property yeah okay Um, so what did you say yeah not allowed to go out okay so not just like shelter in place like a lot of american cities are moving to this is actually you know an order by the government not to uh venture out past kind of um and does that i mean so you can go out for essentials like groceries and things like that but no um nothing beyond that no, we're supposed to have a form and it says me, Sandy, you know, I, Sandy Bansell, I'm going shopping and I live yeah. in Bergamo. So if I say I'm in Milan, they'll be like, well, hang on a minute, you're a resident in Bergamo, what you're doing in Milan. Right. So it's just trying to keep everyone uh, secluded, in, you know, spreading out. Sure. So, John, for you, um, you know, you're you're kind of relocated just, I assume, for spring break. I mean, do you plan to return to the New York area during the school, the rest of the school year as it is, you know, during this this situation? I don't, actually. I mean, it kind of depends on on what's going on. But I'm sure my my kids would love for us to return. But I kind of like being in the woods. Um, And just it doesn't seem safe, just as we said, that. I mean, the governor of New York State was saying that he doesn't think that we're we're going to hit the peak on May second, and so we're still we're still a few weeks behind Italy, and and so many Americans are not taking it as seriously as they should. It's it's really a travesty, um, and I don't feel comfortable taking my family back into the city, especially when we we have kind of relative isolation here, which is hard socially, but. You know, speaking of the self-care thing, like we have a couple friends up here and two to four, we take the dogs for a walk in the woods every single day. And that's been like a huge thing. You know, we stand apart from each other. The woman we walk with has an immunocompromised husband. And it's so like mm. everybody has issues. I mean, internet here, we've sort of taken two of our kids' friends who live up here lo- locally under our wing because I think that, you know, it provides 
company for the kids and also take some stress. You know, there's various health things going on in their family. So there's, I, I don't see myself going back to the city for many weeks, if not months. I don't think you will be able to, John. Yeah. No, you're, you're probably right because things, I mean, I just, I've, I've sort of a data geek. And so I've been charting this stuff, making my own spreadsheets and, and, telling my wife and family and anyone who listens like look this is an exponential curve it's like it's just going up and up and up um it's not gonna bottom out for any time soon um and so that's i mean that's i think the the new reality and i think kids do want to see each other i almost i almost wonder how much of i'm always sort of i look to the students kind of to see where they want to go next and i'll maybe Mm -hmm. put a little seed out there and then have the conversation and read the room and see where they want to go. And if they want to really learn some stuff like, hey, let's learn coding or, you know, let's learn, tink- do a whole unit on Tinkercad uh, remotely, then we'll do that. But otherwise, if it's just kind of checking in and going from there, I- I'm kind of leaving it open. Sure. So you got you kind of uh, alluded to this earlier, John. I mean, I think um, in, in, under any circumstance, a lot of technology teachers get tasked with kind of teaching di- digital citizenship. And, you know, p- before all of this, I think that a lot of digital citizenship was um, in the effort to help students look at and identify credible news sources. Um, and there is a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of propaganda and disinformation being spread about this. Sandy, are you seeing a lot of that in Italy? And are there a lot of, um, do you find that people are sharing a lot of things that maybe are less than credible that exacerbate what's happening there? I think here they, um, well, they haven't got mad over toilet rolls here. Okay. Yeah. That must be a U.S. thing. Oh, it's a UK thing as well. Oh, UK. Okay, awesome. Um, No, I think, um, so I think, I don't know. I haven't really gone out and I don't think people have panicked for anything. But what is spreading is a lot of fake data and a lot of uh, fake information. Mm. Um, I think that is spreading faster than um, what's, what's the reality. Uh, for example, that why is the death mortality so high? Because, I mean, they say the virus is, um, uh, it passes through uh, kids. But a mm. lot of kids live with the grandparents. So, you know, the, the mm. whole community, the whole families live together. And so that's why I think there's a, a bigger mortality rate here. Um and then when we were supposed to be isolating in the first week or so, everyone went skiing. Mm. And so that, oh, that might be even like in a kind of a cultural difference where you have multi-generational families living together in some countries and communities and in others, like, you know, in the United States, there are some, there are some instances of that, that then there are a lot of um, kind of cases where people just live with their kids and their spouse or by themselves or with roommates. And it's not really multi-generational, but that certainly exists here. Um, John, do you feel like, I mean, you kind of talked about this and um, do you feel like we, as progressive educators, if we are attempting to be progressive educators, student-centered learning has been something that we've been really focusing on and really we see as uh, kind of an ideal case where we're kind of the guides or the facilitators and the children are really creating knowledge instead of just memorizing it. Do you see this as kind of, um, I don't want to use the word revolution, but like a kind of a, a chance for us as educators, as a worldwide community 
to move even greater toward um, student-centered learning? Uh, absolutely. I think just as just as any crisis prevents uh, presents unforeseen downsides, and you know, lot this is totally tragic. I mean, there's also going to be upsides, and I think this maybe pushes the reset button on a bunch of aspects of learning. And some people are saying, like, you know, let's let's keep our curriculum going, keep the train on the tracks, and just go, go, go. Um, but I think it also does give a chance for people to say like, well, you know, we now have a chance to, to just kind of talk and it's, it's not even in the classroom where you're managing the group, you're sort of managing a collective of individuals. And so maybe that would be even easier to, um, to figure out like where people want to go and, and the kids can support each other and the teacher can be as work as kind of a guide, you know. In a week after I've actually been trying to do that, my story might change a lot. Mm. So who knows? But I think I think there is there are opportunities here where the you can kind of say like you know problem finding. I've been reading this David Perkins book, um, Making Learning Whole, and he says that you know kids learn a lot about problem solving, but they need to learn about problem finding too. Like where mm-hmm. are you going to go? What what's meaningful to you? And and I'll try and point you in the direction of resources um, and kind of guide you on the path as much as I can. Who knows? Sure. I mean, yeah. So Sandy, I, you know, I'm not as familiar with the Italian school system and some of the models you guys use. Um, do you feel like you guys have moved toward um, student-centered learning or is that just a continuation of what you're doing um, as you teach through this crisis? Um, no, definitely. It's uh, well we are looking at what the students want. And I think uh, if I was going to do a lot of uh, technology coding or whatever, I am shifting the other way. Um, and it, still they will learn something, but, you know, a different way. But I was going to add, maybe this could be a tip. Um, I usually used to meet my students as a whole class and then you'll see them come in, go out, come in, go out. So now what I've focused on is if I have an hour, I have groups of students at a time. Mm-hmm. Because then it becomes individual as well, even though there's probably four students there. Mm-hmm. So, so I, that's like teaching in small groups and kind of also like kind of that check-in um, to see how they're doing. Yeah. And so are there things kind of, you know, if we're talking about like kind of professional learning communities, are you, are there strategies when you're just talking to your colleagues, your fellow teachers that you guys are using? Are you checking in with each other? I mean, John, you guys are probably deep in preparation mode and Sandy, you have been teaching in this for weeks and probably what seems like an eternity. Are there kind of like colleague to colleague things that you're doing? I've seen like virtual happy hours um, that people are doing, you know, via FaceTime or Google Meet or Zoom. Um, are there strategies you guys are using to check in with your colleagues and um, kind of build that esprit de corps? Yeah, we we started doing some uh, challenges with our PE teacher. So he gives us a mm. challenge. So we've got virtual gym going. We have uh, just some kids sending us videos of them doing something fun. And we've got one going now where the ball comes from the right. Kids say something positive and throw it to the left. Mm. So... It gets them out, and I think that's good. We have a virtual staff room, so we have a, mm. a cup of tea and a cake, and we just teachers just hang out. 
can say that. Um, I think being an international school as well, a lot of our teachers are uh, come from different countries. They're on their own. And mm-hmm. if they're isolated, they just need that extra company. Oh, yeah. So they're not even in their home. Um, yeah. and to, to that end, as an international school, did students go home when this first started or did they try to go home um, if they're no, from no, other no. countries? Yeah. No. So yeah, our students are all home with their parents. Okay. So do you normally have a population of students that are from other countries or you're an international school with um, Italian kids? Mainly Italian. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, sp- I spoke to a teacher yesterday um, who, uh, you know, she's in an international school in New York and a lot of the kids were able to go home to their countries um, um, before, you know, they kind of restricted or didn't restrict, but discouraged flying. Yeah. Um, John, what about you? Are, are you guys kind of, what are you doing to commiserate with your colleagues as you guys prep, scramble to prep for this? Um, I think, I think the, I like these ideas, but we, I've been reaching out to people outside of my own school because, Mm -hmm. um, I feel like my school, we've been getting sort of (laughs) periodic kind of how to, um, documents and and emails from Mm -hmm. the administration, but there hasn't been a lot of conversation. So I've been looking to my my uh, professional learning community on Twitter. And, you know, that's where I ran into your name and also the K-12 Fab Lab group, which is, Mm -hmm. I know that you're familiar with. Um, So I feel like I've been actually reaching out more to my international community um, than my school community. But I love the ideas that Sandy, you were saying, like the virtual staff room. And I feel like, and the virtual gym and the the throwing the ball, those are great ideas I want to share with my school. Because I feel like the, the plus and minus of being on spring break right now is that I think I think people want to enjoy their break and not talk school. Um, and so I think there is we probably should be talking to our colleagues more, but I think people are also like, this is my family time. Pretty soon I'm gonna I'm gonna really have to guard this because I, it's gonna be, as Sandy said, like not nine to five teaching. It's gonna be weekends and eight PM and doing things all times a day. So I think there's a, there's a little bit of a disconnect there, but probably next week, I think a lot of those things are going to get rolling as teachers realize that they need camaraderie too. Sure. Well, guys, I just want to say thank you so much, Sandy and John, for taking the time to talk to me today. Um, please stay safe out there. And, um, you know, uh, thank you so much for sharing the resources and the ideas you guys have had today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Depth and Life podcast. A very special thank you to the educators who have taken time to talk to us during this troubling period. If you are an educator and would like to join an upcoming conversation, send us an email at info at We would love to hear from you.